Welcome back to The Stack, brought to you this week by the great sagacity and productive capacity of my Welsh ancestors, who left the coal mines of Ingerland to work the shale mines of Pennsylvania, with a dream that one day their 40-year-old grandson would start a podcast about an obscure peer-to-peer network. This week, we speak with Malice Fabris, who is, we are assured, an actual girl on Urbit. Being but the second woman on the stack, and the stack being somewhat adjacent to crypto, we will tokenize her and make her speak for her entire sex. Explain yourselves, women. Other things we talk about. How Malice got into Urbit. Real libertarianism has never been tried. And her Asian-American immigrant experience. Let's listen. So Malice, you are a human female. I am definitely female. I odds are human based on what I know about my parents. Um, you guys are really sc- scraping the bottom of the bucket as far as podcast guests goes. Drafting random people off of orbit. We're in a chat together. Let's do a podcast. Yeah. Well, you're, well, we lost you're an OG. I mean, you've been around for. I let someone's getting paid. How long? Uh, am I an OG? I don't think so. Um, I've been online since February, maybe. That's it. Yeah, since G-ish. February or March. When did you think I got in? Oh, of this year, of 2021. Yes, of this year, like March. Oh, well, you got to get this. We got to get this woman off the podcast. You're I don't off. know what gave you the impression that I was an OG. Yeah, I went to college with Curtis Yardman. <laughs> wow. Okay. How was? How was? How was he? <laughs> um, it's hard for me to tell. My vision hadn't developed fully at that uh, age. I respected you, but now I know you went to Brown. I don't know. Um, no, I dropped out. I, I don't want to actually slander myself okay. like that. I don't. Yeah, I definitely did not go to Brown. Providence is fine if you want like um, good Italian food, but otherwise, you know, there's the H.P. Lovecraft house, and that's that's really it. I'm not an East Coaster, so I don't really understand the whole mythos around the East Coast. You know, I think I like drove okay. through Rhode Island once, maybe. It's, I mean, you, you do that, it takes about 20 minutes, so. Right, yeah. Heavily lobster-dependent mythos. Prison food. No, it's Hasbro toys and organized crime. They accidentally legalized prostitution in the state for like um, 15 years, ending recently. Uh, I'm not sure how long it was, but it was like they wrote the law in the wrong way where it exclusively banned street prostitution. And so, like, you could run a spa, like, a spa, and, no, you know, nobody could. As long as you're not a roving prostitute. And so they, they. This is interesting. It's an explicitly, like, non reactionary right. take towards the law. They accidentally wrote the law in the wrong way, and therefore it can't be enforced, is extremely contrary to my understanding of the law, but I can really respect that sort of naive optimism. Yeah. But you, uh, you are a Lolbertarian. Mm hmm. Now, yes, question mark, I am a libertarian. I would describe myself as a libertarian, and I think other people would describe me as a libertarian. Libertarian has a specific meaning that I'm not sure I totally understand, and I want to present myself in the most, um, not accurate, but the most flattering light possible. So if, if you tell me exactly what you mean by libertarian, I will tell you whether or not that applies. Go ahead. I want to hear what, uh, what is a libertarian. Um, yeah, I think, I mean, libertarian is a bad faith representation of 
maybe like a little bit online. Well, no, I don't know. Even know it's online. To me, like a libertarian, and I don't think you you could possibly be this, but like is someone in grad school who came up to me and was like, I'm, you know, I'm a total libertarian, you know, like, um, but like, I think smoking should be banned because that affects my right to breathe. Right. Okay. So not a person, a person, it takes a very peculiar sort of person to not be a libertarian and call themselves as a libertarian. Right. Like if you're going to lie for status, pretending to be a libertarian is really not the way to do it. So um, yes, I do know that unless you're right wing, unless you're a right wing guy and you're trying to date someone uh, and they like they find something, they find something and then you're like, oh, no, I am just a libertarian. I'm not sure. This is interesting. Like, is this a strategy that I would go for? Historically, I have dated only libertarian guys, so maybe that would work, actually. If you're there is um who did Scott Horton just debate Bill Crystal he was like I'm anti-war actually so maybe this is I think you're right yeah attack that conservatives take I'm not a shitty sort of conservative I'm a I'm a libertarian like you how is that dating pool uh you know it's I like attention I'm not going to pretend that I don't like attention so it's really nice to go to a sort of libertarian event or an event when libertarians would be and be absolutely mobbed. By men, cargo shorts really aren't my thing, but um, it's it's like a sea of, of cargo shorts. I feel bad for the libertarian guys. What is the state of libertarianism today? Because like when I, I mean, this like days, so I was in undergrad in like very early 2000s. And libertarian was just like, maybe like, you know, so the, the Iraq war was, was a big deal. And so like, there were very, very few like myself, like paleocon types who were against the war. Like it was very like, you know, George W. Bush, you know, let's invade Canada. We can do whatever we want. Back to back world war camps. And then there were some libertarians, but it was really just about drugs and wanting to be pro-abortion and stuff like that, you know, so... Um, so what's it? Like, what what is the state now? And then, like, I know, like, the free state thing and whatever, and, like, that blew up. But. Right. So there's the, the liberty movement, like many movements, has kind of split into a couple different factions. So now that Ron Paul is no longer the figurehead of libertarianism, that kind of, you know, sucked everything out, we're sort of less... We're, there's There's no... There's plenty of libertarians who will be like, I'm libertarian, but they won't be anti-war. In my mind, that doesn't make you libertarian. Um, but it's kind of split up. So there are the people who are concerned with the LP, and then there are subsets of those. And then there are... LP like, is Libertarian economics Party. Libertarian Party, where LP is the American Libertarian Party, the Libertarian Party of the United States, the largest third party in the United States. That, that makes us number three. And then there's kind of like the economic philosophy side. There are a couple factions within those. And then there's the sort of like post-libertarians and there's a couple factions within within those. So for like the post-libertarians, there's the free state people and there's like the, the you know, neo-reactionary paleocon where they're, they're either no longer libertarian or they're libertarians that don't, they call themselves something else because libertarians kind of cringe. Like the word libertarian is kind of cringe. Sorry to all the neo-reactionaries I'm offended. And uh, I would consider the reaction like a post-libertarian kind of thing, truly. The Free State Project is obviously a libertarian project. Um, within, like, the philosophy side, I guess you have, like, the the Walter Block, 
uh, Mises kind of philosophy side where Walter Block says um, uh, abortion is okay and also like you have an inalienable right to be racist. And then there's like the Cato type progressive libertarians where they think markets are good and you don't have a right to be racist. And they're sort of more willing, like Tyler Cowen is not the same sort of libertarian that I am. But when you look at Tyler Cowen and Alex Tabarrok and people like that, there's something there, you know, there's some pattern that you're able to see. And then you have people like, um, you know, I guess the Scott Alexander call himself a libertarian, you know, he's not the same as me, but that is sort of like a breed of, philosophical libertarian and then within the lp of course there's this sort of um drama where you have the the mises caucus people and the uh non-mises caucus establishment libertarians and you can't see me but i definitely have uh you know air quotes going on oh and sorry i I missed something important so within the the philosophical libertarians or maybe i should say like online libertarians like when you see people online calling themselves libertarians um, there is a certain group of, let's say, young people who are, they don't like to call themselves libertarians. They're sort of adjacent to the Walter Block school, if you were to draw a mind map of it. And, um, but there, there's this sort of edgy, they, they have this kind of edgy quality being a libertarian isn't fashionable. Uh, what is fashionable? You know, how can we mix these things together? So what they've kind of settled on is like a neo-Catholic, like neo-Catholic, like a um, Catholic convert, sort of religious LARP. And they're kind of neo-reactionaries, but they're not really that racist. So there, or you see like the paleocons, they're very like, I'm with God. There, There's a, a sort of a religious paleocon person who was a libertarian but now is kind of slightly bigoted and they've they've arrived at this position where they're calling themselves like libertarian reactionaries um that's definitely a tact that some people are taking is that like trying to whitewash their idiot like a behind a libertarian they're trying to blackwash their they're trying to blackwash their libertarian ideology (laughs) so they're libertarians but libertarianism is cringe right so they're being more edgy by calling people like making fun of atheists so if you're a young person if you're a young person you are a libertarian and then you're like all right well where does this you know being being a libertarian teenager is pretty lonely i've been there and um you have a choice kind of like enemies to my left and friends to my right. Um, and you end up making a lot of concessions towards the left. It's easier to get a libertarian victory on the left than on the right, because like the war party is, is uh, very formidable. Whereas like we are moving in a progressive social direction. So if you are the sort of libertarian teenager who was pro weed and pro gay marriage, you see a lot of victories on that side. And then at some point you realize, like, wow, this is really, I don't like where this is going. And on your right, you know, you're, you're more able to get influence on the right. The, the people on the right are more willing to be friendly to you. Um, but you have to kind of mask your pro-market 
uh, ideology, like the pro-freedom thing, it, it, it's, you know, it, you know how conservatives are about libertarians. So you end up trying to become like edgy and cool. It's really easy to be cooler than a conservative. Um, it's slightly difficult to be cooler and edgier than the coolest and edgiest parts of the right. So you end up as this kind of LARPy, you know, they kind of got like one foot in both doors. They're not neo-reactionaries, but they don't want to admit that they're libertarians. And, and so they say like, you know, you're a, you know, you're a godless Reddit atheist. Uh, who, who is the, I, I have some strong feelings about who this. is the coolest and edgiest part of the right. I want to know what the kids. I want to know what the kids think. Whoever like the right. Yeah, we're we're all, whoever like the rightmost. Whoever the rightmost is, who's the rightmost now? Is it the neo reactionaries? Uh, I I guess yeah, it would be like the neo reactionaries. People, I don't know if like neo reactionaries call themselves neo reactionaries anymore. Uh, I'm not a neo reactionary. So I, I don't wanna, like I don't want to like slander them, but I, no, I mean you know we know people. Uh, I know like none of right, these so, categories. Yeah. I don't, so, like, I, I feel personally, I'm sort of a right-wing groupie, I just like, I just like right-wingers, so, uh, which, which I, I we guess very, I would we are say not, that's what it which is. Which we are which not, absolutely not, we... Oh, no, I'm totally playing inside baseball here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. we, uh, I don't even know, somebody talked about this fellow Curtis Yarvin on the last podcast, I had to go look him up, never heard of the guy. Some uh, sort of seems, poet, I guess. Seems... Seems sketchy, to be honest. I don't know, man. Seems like a total nerd, actually. So, so I don't want to hang out with nerds. Uh, uh, So, you know, Robin Hanson, Tyler Cowen, those guys. I mean, like they're kind of they're kind of interesting. Um, Mm. But I like what. So when when I was a lad, you know, you would read Rothbard or the um, the Mises Institute people uh, like Rockwell.com and everything. Right. And like, you know, that was that was fine and interesting, but obviously like very and like not very attractive to like most undergraduates. But like then, I mean, like the Cato stuff seems to me, I mean, it's like not even weak tea. It seems like a corporate op. So like what um, what are what is getting people interested now? Yeah. So it definitely there people like especially young people like libertarians they like the Mises stuff. Um, the Mises stuff is less establishment. It's more doctrinal, and people like doctrine. Young people like doctrine. You'll see, you know, they'll do re- religious exegesis, but they'll also do like exegesis on Rothbard. Um, Mises Institute literally does like exegesis on Rothbard. Or on, on human action, sorry, on Mises. Um, Exomesis, if you will. That's like Scientology or something. That's no, don't say bizarre. that, don't say that. Anyway, anyway people, but people like doctrine. They like to be able to research. I've, you know, if you get into that state, you're reading about something new and you do that deep dive. You really, like, sink your teeth into something. You're always uncovering new stuff. I need to get this. I need to get that. There's something for you to buy. You can buy this book. You can buy that book. Um, and it puts you in a community because you have this, you have to do this dive into it and it automatically gives you, um, uh, you know, credibility within a community to be able to talk the talk. Um, so that's really fun. So the Mises type stuff gives you that doctrine to latch into. This isn't, I, I'm not saying this in a bad way. This is simply an observation. So I think that's one reason why young people get into Mises and not like Cato stuff. Cato isn't really doctrinal. I think that that's too its fault. 
um, the actual history there, plenty of people have like written about like this sort of thing. Why is the Rockwell not the same as the Cato? Um, I don't know. Like, I, I don't need to give that sort of gossipy history. There's definitely some like straight up or straightforward reasons why they're they're different. But I think the reason that young people actually like it is because it is it, like explicitly doctrinal which means that you can kind of um i i guess like you can flex on people by uh what's the what's the word i'm looking for you can kind of flex on people by saying you're not a real libertarian um or you know you're not a real rothbardian or whatnot and and you know point to the point to the scripture in there um i don't think it has to do anything with like actual libertarians i this is, you know, me on my high horse. I think there are a lot of people who call themselves libertarians that wouldn't be libertarians a hundred years in the past or a hundred years, won't be a hundred years in the future, right? Now, libertarianism is particularly unfashionable, but there is a certain type of person within which, uh, you know, they, they only have access to a certain types of, they can only adopt certain types of fashions, and so they adopt libertarianism, and especially, you know, and it, explicitly um specifically like the sort of ancap rothbardian whatnot you know reaction type type no offense intended to anyone who has adopted these fashions i am one of those people yeah um is is ayn rand still like a live wire with these people um i cannot give you a good faith summary of ayn rand's position in these sorts of circles I have a lot of respect for Ayn Rand, a lot of respect for Ayn Rand, because Rothbard was at odds with Ayn Rand for certain parts of her career and at the end of it, people who like Rothbard will dislike Ayn Rand. But on the other hand, if you're a libertarian, like a Rothbardian type, and you're talking to a Democrat and they're like, I don't like Ayn Rand, it's your, it's your duty to call them like a moron and defend Ayn Rand. But like within actual libertarianism, I would say most people don't like Ayn Rand. It's a lot of work to read Ayn Rand. I've never read The Fountainhead. I've read We the Living, which I really enjoyed much more than I thought I did. And I've read um, Anthem, which was boring and you can skip it. Um, but I did really enjoy We the Living. So uh, most people haven't read Ayn Rand. Most libertarians haven't read Ayn Rand. The um, objectivism isn't particularly attractive to... I don't think I've met a young person who calls themselves an objectivist. I did for about, nor should they. I, I did for about that, yeah. um, seven days when I was uh, 16, I'll be honest. But I think nowadays, 16-year-olds, they would skip Ayn Rand. Yeah. That, I, I think that no, there's a lot of course, people you talk on, to, like, like Brian Kaplan is this way. Yeah, but Ugh, I don't, famous, famous sex symbol, Ayn Rand. Uh, so you know, any sixteen-year-old when I was growing she, up had to go check it out because she was such a such a. She did have a, the Kavorka. The um, I, I well, you know, there's that there's that thing that she was really into S and M, wasn't she? Oh, I don't know about that. She swag. She I, I thought swinger. she was really like canonically really into S and M. Probably. Uh, okay. Well, there's a, there's that, that uh, anecdote I think about uh, is it Christopher Hitchens went to have dinner with with the uh, with Buckley, and and said to said to Buckley. At the dinner table, I've heard that Ayn Rand had this, you know, sort of like magnetic sex appeal. 
And um, <laughs> Bu- Buckley apparently leaned over to him and said, oh, yes. And then his wife showed up and, <laughs> and said, no, she was a horrible woman, you know. <laughs> not, oh. not attractive that at all. lends credibility. That lends credibility to the idea that men were attracted to her, actually. The wives didn't like her. Um, mm-hmm. She was really kind of ugly. I, I'm sorry to say this. There I'm like, I, one of the I, reasons that Michael Malice really disagree. likes Iran is because he kind of looks like her. No offense huh. intended to Michael, but they really do look kind of similar. It would make a good Halloween costume. Some people just, they have a charisma. Um, right. And that's hard hard to explain. Uh, I've never read it, any of it. Um, but the Fountainhead is like, it, partly one of the reasons I haven't is because too many people said that it changed their lives. Mm-hmm. And like, they're like, you know, you read it and like, you can't think, and it just felt weird. And so, like, I just haven't haven't touched it. You can't read. It's it also it's like a it's like a brick, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I read Atlas Shrugged. I think I, w- I was being serious when I was sixteen or seventeen, and and it changed my life for all of a week. And then you know, <laughs> some things some things are heavily sort of shaped by how much women will talk to you if you're talking about that thing. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, no woman would talk to me about Atlas Shrugged, which is why I quickly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I quickly moved, moved on, on to well, moved on yeah. to Henry Miller. One of the reasons I think, yeah, I mean, and that works. Henry Miller works. I don't him. even. Sorry, I'm a bit of a lightweight. I don't even know who Henry Miller is. Tropic of Cancer. Tropic, Tropic of Cancer. Cancer. Yeah, he was a he was a writer of sex. That fellow. I um I I think one reason just to step back for a second. One reason that I think Iran had such a magnetism is she was so like she was such a hard ass. That if someone if someone is constantly like that's not good enough, you're fail like all the time, or is a real hard ass. You know they have really high standards. Automatically, you're like, oh, I gotta be able to get on this person's good side. I want to impress them, right? So the fact that she was so, if she had been nicer, she would not have had um, the influence she did, and she would not have had sort of the I don't want to say like cult following, but she would not have gained as much respect among her followers, or like you know people wanted to please her. Uh, I I think cult is accurate. Yeah. No comment. Oh wait, I, I've been in a fair libertarianism or cults, you know? well, she was no, 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 not, not libertarianism generally. Like oh, objectivism. objectivism, yeah. I I don't know yeah. if I've ever told this story before, but I, or on the podcast, but I have talked about like when I was part of the SIAI, the Singularity Institute, which is now called something else. And we used to have our meetings. Such is that as Mary now, or is that something else? Yeah, it I think Mary. it is Mary. Yeah, uh, you know Yudkowsky's uh, old old thing with Michael and Nisimov. Speaking of cults. Mm-hmm. Speaking of cults, that's it. That's uh, another sort run, of run by the le- the less attractive, probably equally her suit as I know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's probably right. Oh. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and we used to we used to meet on MIRC. This is like around 2000, 2000, 2001, something like that. But uh, the thing that I remember the the only conversation I really remember with Yudkowsky, like that, just me and him talking for briefly was was he said that if if the objectivists really believe what they preach, then all I have to do is show up and just take over because they will immediately recognize me as their John Galt. And just sort of, <laughs> sort of, you know, get on one knee, and uh, that was that was 
I can remember that as sort of the beginning of of my of the end with me and the <laughs> the SIAI. That's that strikes me as like such a healthy theory of self <laughs> to like walk well, around. And maybe a good and maybe a good analysis of the objectivists. Like that may be a case yeah, of well, he, like deserving. He life. may be right. He may have been right. And what I learned from rationalism is that you should never blame someone if they're right. Even if their epistemology is wrong, there must be something correct about it if they're correct. Yeah. So are you, are you, you are a rat or a post-rat or a post-post-rat? I am, I am Which... not a rat or a post-rat or a post-post-rat. I got into rational, like I found out about rationalism, I think like two years ago. I read H.P. Moore. Actually, I was sort of uh, strong-armed into reading H.P. Moore, and I loved it. I, I was like, I'm not going to read something called Harry Potter and the Methods of Rationality because that sounds like some Ayn Rand bullshit. It does not sound attractive. And uh, I read it, and I was like, this is the hottest shit ever. Like, this is really good. I loved it. I read, I think I've read, like, 90% of the sequences, maybe. I told other people to read H.P. Moore. I've told other people to read the sequences. Um... Uh, there's a lot of people who make fun of rationalists. I think I have one advantage in coming in way after, is, which is that there's like no hype on the internet about this. The community's kind of already died, so I, there's no danger of me like becoming a cultist. Um, I was already an ideologue yeah. before then, so there's no danger of me becoming a rationalist ideologue. Uh, I it's, really, it's a real problem if you if you actually had to talk to these people like live when it was. When it was right. happening, when it was kicking off, yeah, it's you'd sour real quick. I think I basically got all. The, I hope I got all the good stuff out of it. Um, there's like a lot you, of people. You who can still occasionally on. get. Go ahead. Well, you can still occasionally get into these conversations or get into these. I don't want to say arguments because because as soon as you meet a rationalist, what you should do, I think, is just just walk away. <laughs> But you can you can you can get into these conversations about how you're talking about them like the know, Mormons some... or something like a Mormon knocks on your door. You're like, I don't want to talk about religion. Well, I mean, sorry, I I don't like rationalists at all. It's I, they're often often these conversations about how you know like how much utility there is. In, I think in... yeah, the difference the difference is, is that Mormonism d- d- like draws mostly from literally Anglo like Midlands people from which like the first harvest of converts came and so like they have like a pretty like pro-social like like they will walk away if you say that but like rationalists are not like that and so like you you just you say no and then that's like that's like the invitation to talk to right you're wrong in a metal where's where's your data you you know that we gotta I gotta put that cartoon up with the the walrus you know where the two people are sitting in the in the, the sea lion yeah the sea lion yeah the sea lion uh, cartoon oh well, I I don't really like sea lions and then the sea lion shows up and it's it's like uh, what data do you have that sea lions are any worse than anybody else you know I I can't stand this kind of thing and then you know you get sucked into some kind of conversation about the utility of having children or something like that you know one thing that I really respect about uh, one of the finer points I think is often looked over in Austrian economics is this idea that you take utility as given so there's uh, an iron wall that has been erected at the forehead and anything inside the head you take as given and the actions outside you can judge but like you can never say that someone's preferences are wrong um, I think that's a very good doctrine to have. Yeah, so my, I, have a, I, have I think a, the doctrine. Wait, I just have to say this. I think that the proper doctrine yeah. to have is that I'm always right, and when anyone shows me data 
they want to show me data about how I'm wrong and have a conversation about my wrongness. Uh, that's where I draw the well, line. Well, it's wrong a priori. Just, now, I still disagree with right. you, though, because I don't exactly see how right. the I don't see how the universe can revolve around the. You place. see what's happening. You, say you see what's happening it here. Revolves around the We've place already. We're way. We're already way past where I'm comfortable not cutting this yeah. off. You you see where I disagree with you. That's the end for me. I was out already. Right. Sorry. All, all lenses actually see. You're just being argumentative. Actually, see my reflection. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> um, so, so I I have a question about libertarianism. Okay. Which is what about the fire department? Um, some people's oh. <laughs> houses actually deserve to burn. <laughs> Uh, you know, so that's true. That's true. You know, if you take this this risky behavior on yourself, like you know, if you believe in God, you know, why interfere? Um, actually, putting out fire systems. What about women firefighters? Because I'm getting all these books. Now I like the, the sexy mail. female firefighter calendar where they have like the suspenders and the the big pants, but with the sports bra. I'm kind of partial to that sort okay, of thing. Okay. Oh, okay, now I'm. You've changed my my She's mind. She's got like the ho- fire hose, you know, wrapped around her, sort of. Yeah. So so um so we talked like about like the a very ob- <laughs> we talked very obliquely about the uh, free state kind of uh, debacle. But it's not over um, yet. Then you have you say people, debacle like it's over. Yeah, but there's there, there's no yeah I don't, I don't see a free state. I just see people up there paying taxes. Um, but like the, you know, there's all the, so these people, they say they're going to like move to, um, Chile and build some libertarian paradise. Um, I think there's been like a few, there, there was like a community in Chile. I, Scott, Scott, um, Slate Star right. Codex, um, Alexander, Scott Alexander, he, he wrote something like skewering these people, which probably means they're, they're decent, you know, chance of success, but you know, where, where do you like? Where do you feel about like exit? Um, with within the system, without the system, I definitely feel closer to exit than to voice. You know, perhaps it's because I can now work remote. I'm like, oh, exiting is a great idea. I do like special economic zones. I think there's something there with the special economic zone, or you know, with seasteading, something like that, where you have a sponsor state. I think there's something there with the ex- the special economic zone and kind of explicitly saying, you know, we're going to set up an area and you're it, it's going to be governed differently. Like it, kind of explicitly saying our laws are not your laws rather than trying to take over a location. Um, you know, might as well just be explicit about what you're trying to do. So I, I do have a soft spot for those people. I think the lack of, you know, the lack of manifestation is evidence, you know. Um, I certainly am yeah. not a friend. I'm not sympathetic to the, like, uh, obviously I'm not sympathetic to democracy, but just, like, kind of the idea of taking over local politics. Um, you know, I've had some run-ins with local politics. I've had, a, you know, my own sort of tragic backstory involves debacle with, you know, a, a city, um, a municipality. And uh, these people are there. There are not enough good people to a- exact change at that level. I think your effort is far disproportionate to your reward, and it, it's it's just I, I think a sap of energy. And I think a hundred years from now, is it going to make a difference to your grandchildren that you you know went after code enforcement? 
in your city? No, probably not. So I, I, I think the effort is disproportionate. When we talk about like taking over the Libertarian Party, why would you want to take over the Libertarian Party? Um, uh, that's not that's not totally fair. Like Libertarian Party can be a good sort of a, a strike union. If you don't do what we want, we'll go on strike and spoil for the Republicans. Um, I think that's a fair strategy. Taking over the Republican Party is um, difficult. I think that people underestimate how difficult it would be to take over the Republican Party. We're talking about the United. This is all United States politics, of course. Gosh. How much do I want to say about but that? But I, I would actually, I, I mean, not not to say, I mean, it's not my place to say, oh, that's possible. And I think you're right that it isn't. But I think like on a, like say you choose like a specific issue, and I think this happened more organically, but I do think it happened through Ron Paul. But like anti-war or anti-militarism within the Republican base, at least, like if not, no. So here's kind of here's like margins that are elected. Like that has worked. Um, has it worked? I mean, yeah. If we look at the wars, it, has it look, worked? I mean, Here, here's the when thing. I'm saying, like, Every, uh, all right, when I was in college, no, 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 no. When I was in college, and would like even like make a kind of motion or anything against the Iraq War, you would get shouted down and called a traitor. Right. Literally. And like, you know, you would have the unpatriotic conservative David Froome, who's Canadian. Right. By the way. Ew. You know, that makes sense. That. And like and, and so that that dial has moved. No, it hasn't. Uh, I, I think you're I, you're you're kind of right. You're kind of wrong. Um, first of all, there you're talking about, you know, organizing on the axis, getting people behind the anti-war cap, uh, candidate. I don't think that's necessary. The anti-war candidate always wins. The base is somewhat anti-war and the anti-war candidate, you know, people win on the anti-war line um, almost all the time. Uh, if you look at how people are campaigning now, even 10 years ago, uh, you know, Obama ran as an anti-war candidate. He got in. Was he anti-war? No. So we see this repeating pattern at, you know, the lower levels and also the presidency. OK, you know, since Bush, obviously. You know, the uh, the anti-war candidate are, always wins. So I don't think organizing behind the anti-war candidate is is necessary. Um, there's this. George W. Bush was the anti-war. Well, he was kind of an anti-war candidate in 2000, you know, where it was against the nation. It wasn't really an issue. But I mean, like. Let's not do so, nation building, etc. Well, of course, you know, because so, they hadn't done and what they somehow did. magically this this always uh, <laughs> this all oh, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna address that. Um, somehow magically we always see this switch when they're in office, uh, where you do become very pro war. So I, I don't think that that's a good strategy because you'll end up with the same you'll be doing the same thing. And ending up with the same result, right? So miraculously, there's this spontaneous uh, alignment towards being pro-war once you're in office. How does it? How does it happen? That's crazy. Uh, I, I do think there is some opportunity there to adopt like Maoist tactics and start um, like canceling conservatives for you know enforcing a doctrine and taking the same sort of strategy that a lot of left wingers took, where it's my way or the highway. Where you you know get up on a high horse of being anti-war and make that your high horse. Um, 
I think that's a good way to change rhetoric within the right. Uh, but it's difficult because a lot of people aren't willing to go all the way. And also the way that, you know, you need to spoil elections for people who don't do what you want. And people on the right are not willing to spoil elections for people who don't do what they want. There's not enough um, organization. There's not enough adherence to orthodoxy. They're not willing to kind of take that. They're not willing to take the short term loss in order to show people that they're really serious. So when you get the shit test, it's not, you know, they, they back down, basically. The anti-war people back down. Well, yeah, he's not, DeSantis is an anti-war, but we don't want a Democrat to get it. No, make them lose. Make them lose. Or or just, I mean, like, yeah, and then it, I don't know how you get to DeSantis personally and, like, lay it out there of, like, you know, hey, bro, like, you're, you know, you're not benef- actually benefited personally by no, it, like the political De- cost of going anti-war will not be what, De- you think, or what you've been told <laughs> um, by these merchants of war. No, no he, he's not anti-war. Um, he's a Yale guy. I mean, like, you know, he's he, never he, made he any probably is CIA. We don't anti-war. know. He's not a paleocon. DeSantis is fine in Florida. We want him to stay in Florida. Um, we don't, I don't want DeSantis to be president because any good that he does in Florida will not manifest when he's president in the United States. He's he's just he would just act like a neocon. I have absolutely no confidence that he would be do anything of a slightly libertarian bent. But it's kind of messed up. I mean like, you know, the the lines have been shifted in so many ways. And it's sort of like a squiggly thing. But I mean like now like a heroic move for human liberty is I'm not going to make people have a bacteria-ridden rag over their face. Right. Well, I... And, and then, like, the Lolbertarian, the Lolbertarian would say, well, you know, like, you, your freedom ends at my ability to... Uh, right, and that's your, obviously, your that's obviously bullshit. Um, you know, Rothbard is like, well, what if they have a radio and the radio waves touching your house? Like, people have it talked about this you know before um i kind of do have to evoke i i am gonna kind of play a libertarian card here but uh i i don't think that the saying that businesses can't discriminate based on vaccination status i don't uh support that i i really am like against anti-discrimination law and so I, this will alienate me from basically every phone, but uh, I, I don't support that law. I, a lot of people were talking about it. You know, it's a reverse. I, I think this is a like a re, you know reverse stupidity. It's not intelligence. I can understand. I guess this is this is like the reason why I'm not a reactionary, right? I'm not a neo reactionary. The the reactionary take is well, if it's good for my friends and punishes my enemies, then it's good and that's effective political act action and i'm not willing to cross that line i have this doctrinal line of the nap and i'm not willing to go across it and i understand why people do you know no enemies to my right i don't have beef with them but i'm not going to lie and say it's not wrong to force to to say businesses must do business with people who are not vaccinated even if they wouldn't otherwise not yet but I mean, like in, I, yes. I think you're younger than us. So I mean, like when you get 
ground when you get ground down by realizing that playing by those rules does not yep. get you right. anywhere. I mean, like, you know, because 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 you know, you've you've reinvented an argument that I used to be very uh, susceptible to, which is build your own Facebook. Don't you think? Okay, let's go off an attention here, but we'll return to that. Don't you think that's what we're doing? If you had the the you know Trump say that Facebook has to allow people on, or actually Trump is especially stupid about it. But if you had any sort of you know Governor Abbott say you can't discriminate against conservatives and conservatives have to let people on. The idea that we want a Facebook that allows conservatives on is stupid, right? What we want is urban. And uh, if, if conservatives had, a, this is like a, this is like, you know, they would have asked me for faster horses kind of thing, right? We don't want Facebook that allows conservatives on. That's dumb. Forcing people to, give you a service it's not only wrong but it's not going to give you the optimal outcome so i i totally i totally disagree with that yeah i i think maybe that's a um that's an example you know can kind of like put a pin in there but like financial services you know like there are certain rails that are so sad I mean, look, set, look at like they're what they're trying to do with the credit card right. companies and guns. Look at look at what they're trying to do with credit card companies and guns. You know, like where, yeah, okay, like we can't change the law, so let's use some like bogus ESG, you know, environmental social governance scoring thing and make it so MasterCard and Visa refuse to work with these right. businesses. Yeah, I, I'm sorry. I can still, you know, I still have, it's very easy for me to pay, play my libertarian card and say, the problem there is with the monopoly the government grants on financial services. You know, if you had had in the 90s, uh, in the 2000s, you know, Citibank create their financial service or the, the Federal Reserve create their fa- financial service that is, you know, non-discriminatory and anonymous or whatever. Or if it was non-discriminatory, it would be anonymous, let's say. And, and you wouldn't end up with Bitcoin. I don't think that... I don't think that's the way historically that things have been done. I don't think that forcing bookstores to sell hard copies of Mein Kampf is the way to get um, to get around censorship. I, I just don't think that's historically the case. And it is really easy for me to say, and I mean this kind of in a diminutive sense, it is easy for me to say, uh, actually, no, the NAP still applies here and, and play the libertarian card. Yeah, well, we'll uh, we'll move on to so Urbit. So are the quality of simps are the quality of simps on Urbit better than Twitter and Facebook and those places? So I'm not on Facebook because I'm not old. Um, and and I, you know, how dare you accuse me of that? <laughs> right, I don't okay. know Facebook meta now. No, I'm not. I think I have a Facebook account, but I think I used it for about two weeks because I was somewhere. Someone convinced me to make one, and then I like never used it after I filed a contact with them. Um, so yeah, no Facebook, you know, Facebook bad. Don't like that. Uncool, very uncool. Also, Twitter. I don't think I don't like tweet a lot. I have an Instagram. I don't Instagram a lot. I probably could do that. I don't know. Maybe that's like a good strategy. But as far as like IRL sims, and see the problem with Urbit right now is that the profile there's not a lot of features in the profile. So. I have like a group pinned in my profile, 
I think I say something. I don't even know what I say on my urban profile, but th there's not a lot there. Um, so it's not easy for people to see that I am a female. Um, when I first got on, they thought that I was a gay guy. And statistically speaking, that's a lot more likely than me being a woman. So I don't even blame them. If people were like, oh, you're a girl. I thought that you were gay. And totally sincere. No beef with that. So, and they were nice too, you know, the, the rumors about urban are untrue. Uh, so that's a big problem with the quality of simps. The lack of paywalled content, I think, also a problem with the quality of simps. So uh, when we have Orbit or whatever they're going to call, you know, the paywalling thing, and we're able to get closed groups and reoccurring payments and paywalls, uh, I think that's going to really help us out there. You're going to be able to start Certainly on your, like, early, the earliest early fans? Orbit. We're going to call it Orbit. Is that what the thing is going to be called when you when you do OnlyFans? I only don't know. Fans that's, it's they've got to call it Orbit. Come on, when they get the paywall, they they yeah. have to call it Orbit. It, they, you get got you, you some. Know, the, the hard part's already done. Makes sense. Yeah, it's so good. They have to do this anyway. Um, so that's really going to help us out as one of Orbit's uh, early female creators. I am willing to be a sort of pimp, um, but we won't call it that. We'll call it, you know a manager, an organizer, an agent. For women, especially women in crypto I think spaces, historically it's a madame. That's what you want to do. You want right. to be a madame. Uh, it's got to be some sort of four letter. We'll workshop that. Yeah. Anyway, uh, yeah, we'll see. Pimp is for, you know, madame is too long. Anyway, we'll we'll workshop that. So I I'm willing to offer services to, especially women who are like in crypto on Twitter for a small cut. Um, I will help them build their orbit careers. Uh, it doesn't have to be nudes, you know, people will simp even for an anonymous profile uh, behind a keyboard. So the bar is really low. And, you know, oh, lots they will of simp, they will they will simp for an anime avatar. You don't even have to do run run by like a 350 pound guy. Right. Well, we have found that men men, as soon as they know that you are ostensibly a woman, we have discovered that <laughs> that they will talk to you for like 1000 messages, at least even. Without realizing, no, I heard not, you not have realizing that you have. I heard that you actually uh, did. Oh yeah, I did. I wasn't. Was I wasn't referring to. I, I wasn't referring to myself, but yeah, actually, uh, I did. Yeah. Do that. The... Well, I took a picture of mine. I took a picture of mine and ran it through what was it FaceApp, right. I think, and it turned me into a woman so beautiful. I'm not kidding. I was an extremely attractive woman. But and it makes you like a 20-something uh, woman, right? It doesn't make you, like if you're 45, it doesn't make you a 45-year-old Excuse woman. me. It makes you excuse a young me. woman. No, it didn't it change. It was a my, picture it, of him oh, from okay. his it, 20s. No, it it was not, sir. It was not a picture of me in my 20s. It was a picture of me in my uh, Redacted, just early beat that 30s. Out so they don't... <laughs> yeah. No, I'm not going to... I want everyone to hear that I was maligned by Andy on this Yeah, show. that was Andy who did that. Uh, that's a picture. It was a picture of me in my early 30s that I, I ran through the face app and it turned me into a, a, magnif a magnificent creature. Uh, I, as I if think I maybe already, more rationalism but a female because version. the bar for proving that you are um, a woman is, is very low. Like the burden of proof is basically non-existent. I think this is a case of like, yeah. what do I want to believe? Maybe we need Eliezer Kowski. Ellie is Yukowski in here. Like, if she's a girl, I want to believe that she's a girl. If she's not a girl, I want to believe that she's actually 350 pound male extorting me. Mm. 
Um, I'm getting maligned is again. Is that the catfishing thing? Well, uh, I catfishing to me says like, oh no, okay, I guess that is catfishing. But you know, catfishing implies you have some sort of like relationship, I think, or that you're yeah. putting up a face. But I've definitely. You know, if I wanted to be evil, I could definitely be evil. There's very sort of uh, anti-virtue signal. Like, I should I got, know that's I a cool I got catfished once. Really? I got catfished once. Who, yeah, it's on your wild form or what? Where'd you find? No, her? that was back in, when I was in the when I was in the Marine Corps. Yeah, oh. I got catfished by a girl. She was. Yeah, we were talking on the phone and things. And I, I didn't think that people were this wait, wait, were this wait. wretched. Talking uh, on the phone, even. I, I didn't give her any money. But uh, what did the yeah, voice we were talking sound on the phone. like? I mean, it was it. It was a female. Well, she sounded like a twenty-ish female. Wait, who was she pretending to be then? Because she was. She was pretending to be attractive. an attractive twenty-ish. <laughs> oh, she was just ugly. I see. Yeah. No, she was. She was probably like three hundred and fifty, four hundred pounds. Okay. But, no, 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 no. If, if a girl in her Tinder profile, I was concerned about you, but my sympathy has evaporated. If a girl in her Tinder profile like takes her photos from a particular angle, so that. She looks skinny. No, 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 no. You, no, no, no. You're misunderstanding. She used other photos of a different person. Oh, okay, that's bad. Okay, my sympathy is somewhat reduced. But it is, it is um, interesting. Like you know, because you know, I didn't have to deal with it. But like now that people have to be so he's flexing aware of these. Um, no, it's just like you know, the guys, younger guys and younger women, I guess. But I mean, like they're very aware of these tricks that are played, you know, where it's like, uh, mm-hmm. but, and then, but then they can pick up on it really quickly. And it's like, it's like Chinese calligraphy experts, you know, they can say, oh, like this style reflects, you know, um, I, I, whatever. And then they can just like analyze quite a bit about the art from that, like the brush strokes. And these guys are like, oh, no, 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 no. Like that particular angle um, from like under the nose can like hide 75 pounds. Like that takes seventy five pounds off your weight. It does that? I don't. I, I'm, not I, I'm just making up that. I'm just making up that particular example. But like, I wonder if it's like very, because there are the, guys that you see. You know, there there is that very obvious like forty five downward degree angle. You know, right. of the breasts and the face at that at that. High well, to low it's kind of hard to get you your boobs know. and your face in the same picture, right? Like from arm's length, my arms aren't quite long enough to make it look good. So, uh, we're we're learning we're learning things about you. I don't I don't I don't have an extra seventy five pounds to lose. Though. <laughs> Go on. If I took you a photo that took off seventy five pounds, it'd be like, wow, she's <laughs> in the old days, you know, Marines. Okay, this is a family. In the old sh- this days, is a family Marines show. Had to worry about their wives cheating on them, but Josh just has to worry about like messaging a girl who's actually fat. Yeah, it was uh, it was tragic. Honestly, I didn't get fished for money or anything like that. I wasn't that foolish, but you know, it's an emotional thing. Like she, it's emotional fishing. Yeah, she wanted some. She wanted someone, you know, as devastatingly handsome as me to look at her. So she created a, a totally fake human and put that person up but, how did you find her uh, where did it first come from she she eventually she uh oh how did i find her this was this was back yeah pre, this is pre-tender days so it would have been some online something oh she found me through my writing actually that's what it was yeah she she sent me a message oh she, she likes the blog right there were not blogs yeah, i'm hearing the blogs are a good way to 
No, it is was. It was live. Tinder, like, it, it was. Fire? No, no, no. It was, it was live journal. I think. Like that old. Did you have a Zang journal? Did you have a Zang? Yeah. So like early. I have no idea what that is. Zanga was like live journal, but it was like angsty. It was like it was exclusively angsty, like cutting teens. No, mine was. I was. I, I think I was writing things like uh, about obscure violins or something like that. Uh, Hot and yeah, you know, pour, pouring my pouring my you know soul into these blog posts that was was apparently capturing the attention of very very large women. I think that's kind of like I I don't know if that's about like writing to the guy who writes angsty violin poetry on live journal is that better or worse than like writing to a person in prison? I didn't say poetry, but yeah, it was it was uh, I was not writing bad poetry. If I wrote poetry, it would be good poetry. Uh, <laughs> Curtis Yarvin, um, Curtis Yarvin will end up judging some of my poetry, I'm sure, and um, I'm gonna mog him. Did you answer the contest? I, I'm I'm thinking about it, but if I do, it's gonna change. It's gonna he's gonna stop writing poetry if I do. I'll tell you that. Are you writing rhyming poetry? Write rhyming poetry and flex on him. <laughs> It'll have meter and everything. He's going to be neoformalism. I'm going to be like, right. dear, dear Yarvin, dear Neo-formal. Kurt, dear Kurt, this is poetry. Okay, <laughs> this thing here. Just quit what you're doing. Go back to go back to programming. My and I, I mean, I, I am no, just say- kidding. I'm kidding, Curtis. I, I love you, buddy. I'm you know, not very familiar with with Curtis Yarvin's work, but like, um, but Malice, are you are you gonna uh, are you going to throw into uh, his other contest? Oh, for a lady. <laughs> yeah. No. It took me a second there. No, I did email him very briefly about poetry, not trying to solicit him to be a husband. I think I am a little too. He preemptively rejected me. I actually just wanted to email him because he was kind of like a celebrity. I was like, oh, okay, sure. I'll see what he says. Um. I, I made up some question about poetry or whatever was important. Anyway, I just wanted to see, you know, it was like, like you see a celebrity on the street. You're like, you're going to say, like, hey. Did he respond? He did respond. He was very polite, quite a gentleman. Did he we know went you back were a woman? He, he did. Uh, we went uh, back and forth a couple times. And he asked about various things that we made some, you know, small talk or whatever. He preemptively rejected me in the middle of a conversation. He's like, you didn't... Um, I don't know if this is where you're going, but you're too young for me. I, like wow. I'm gonna guess he guessed I was a lot younger than I was because I'm very immature and I come across that way in email. Uh, was but, that you a know, neg? Just explicitly, I I kind of took it like it a neg. I was like, well, excuse me, I'll have you know that I would make an excellent wife to any right winger. On the anyway, and then I was like, wait, what? Anyway, um, <laughs> <laughs> what am I, I doing? I know how the gay is so strong. You got so angry, um, you almost married Curtis Yarvin. <laughs> I was like, yeah, how dare you? I'll show you, Mister. Um, I'll make you happy no, for the next I, thirty I years think... of your life. <laughs> um, no, I think it would be a problem. It might be a problem dating someone that was smarter than me. I've always been like the smartest person in my relationships, and maybe that's that you know, sounds maybe like that's a problem an issue that I'm having. But I don't know what it would be like to not be like one of the smartest people in the room. This is really like it's not even a humble brag. I'm just like telling you I'm fairly intelligent, and not that I come across that way, obviously. But like on pay, if you ask me to repeat digits in reverse order, I'm I'm decent at it. How um, many? How many so, digits of pi? How, how many digits of pi can you go to? Because that's the autist measure. Well, the memorization you can practice. So the thing with backwards digits, fan. You know, if he says he's into BDS, like, is he talking about like Palestine, or is he racist, or is he talking about sex? So 
Uh, and for some people, these are all the same thing. Uh, in certain sectors of the right, that joke needs I to be equate, I equate sex and racism, that's for sure. So the thing, the thing with... Um, I, I couldn't workshop a joke in there. Like, there, there's something there that's that, that could be worked with. Um, yeah, that's how, that's, the thing how about talk, memorizing, that's how I talk to women. Let me just work workshop this thing in there. <laughs> well, the bar is much lower for me to be funny. So, um, uh, you know, I imagine if you're ugly, like you have to work a lot on, on being fu- uh, funny, but I don't you know. See, like even that, I lost enthusiasm <laughs> for the joke at the end there, so you can tell exactly how much practice I have. Um well, see, I, I learned to get funny because I didn't I, – uh, I mean, I don't know if it comes across on the podcast, but I'm pretty funny in other places. Exactly. I learned I, – <laughs> thank you. She came on my podcast. She's come on my podcast and trying to neg me. I'll have you know I'm married. Um, well, if you have to tell her that she came, it's, you know, you – So, <laughs> moving on. Uh, no, I, I, I got funny because women women won't – they won't talk to you if you're not funny. Yeah. You know, you want that's you want to be like the guy. Yeah. Even if you're good looking, if you're good looking and and uh, what can I say? A total like uh, sort of wet, wet blanket or whatever. It doesn't work. I've I discovered and I discovered that you could be quite a plain looking man, but you're like a nine. If you're, you know, if you have a decent there's job. No, no men are handsome. So I got to I got to correct you there. Um, yeah. No man, there's no such thing as like a handsome guy or like a, like a, a decent looking guy. It's just not true. All guys are ugly. Yeah, like physically. purely physically. Like if you're rating people yeah. on looks from zero to ten, if there's a big gap in the middle, like there's like one, two, three, four, and then there's nine and ten. And so nine of ten is right. like Matt Bomer, who looks like a Ken doll, and he's gay. And then um, he's a. He's an actor. Um, he was in the dramedy. Um, oh, what's the dramedy? Where's an art, an, an art forger? I really like that show. Um, Matt Bomer. He was in Magic Mike, which I haven't seen, but I know he's in Magic Mike. Is that the one where with Meghan Markle in it, the Duchess? Of I don't know. Whatever? It's not that. What was the show? Wait a second. I'm on Wikipedia. I don't know. He's very handsome. Um, suits. What's the TV sh- No, not suits. White collar. Okay, white collar. Right yeah, that thing. I liked White Collar. I don't anyway, know. I don't watch TV. It's total trash, like absolute junk food TV. So anyway, there's there's like Matt Bomer, who is like freakishly handsome, but not in an uncanny valley way. And then there is like normal guys who are like, it, if you think you're an eight, you're actually a four. There's no such thing as uh-huh. an eight. And women are like kind of unable to tell whether or not guys are attractive if they're not Matt Bomer, it, it like kind of all looks the same, you know, like how white people, like Americans can't tell Koreans and, and Chinese apart. It, it's kind of like that with all that women is, and all men. Madam, that is racist. Well, it's not racist because they look the same. It's colorblind, yes. actually. So apparently some people have the ability to distinguish these, you know, oh, you know, that's, she's Japanese, she's Korean. This is something that's totally lost on me. And in the same way, like, women can't tell what men look like. They're really, like, face blind. And so everything else is made up of status and uh, how how you dress, right? If you dress like an attractive guy, she will think that you're attractive. Um, if you, you know, the eyes stop at the, the, the V-neck of your T-shirt. Uh, they can't scan up any higher. Uh, you know, status, wealth, whether or not you're funny, how well groomed you are, 
right? Like, if you have gel in your hair, she's going to assume that you're attractive because that's what an attractive guy would do. But she's actually unable to see anything in between okay. your forehead uh, and your chin. This is not just me being like a libertarian autist. Like, this is actually true. Okay. Is this is this backed up by, what, anecdotal evidence or, or is there some sort of... I think if you look at the bell curves for, like, Tinder or whatnot, um, you will see that this is actually, like, how women rate men. It really is, like, it takes a total cliff at five. No, I think de- delicious, like, like, delicious tacos. The majority is, of is, men is are less than average attractive. Yeah, but then there's that. Th- the, then there's the majority that, of men are below average. Th- then there's that. That uh, the the counter argument is that that is just the market for pussy clearing. Beep that out like a really long, like like disproportionately long beep. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah, delicious tacos. I would, I guess, take his. You know, I I, I would take his word for it if he. No, I think that's. I, no, that's not him. That's uh. That's like you know the economic. The, the economic theory. Did you see it. that photo of him? He's like unexpected. No, I, I, he, no, he I, he's, I don't, he doesn't, it, has he posted face in the last 10 years? He used to. No, no but he like, hasn't like posted face, but he posted like with the cell phone over the face. And like I just said, well, like I just said, he's got his, in the cell phone that he posted, he's got his cell phone covering yeah, yeah, his yeah. face. Um, and you know me, I'm like a face blind autist anyway, so I can't. Doesn't make no, he's in. He's in very. Um, he's in you very good shape. He's stuff. in very good shape, um, if I may say so. And he uh, uh, is like a you know obviously a pretty funny and interesting guy, a talent, talented and he's writer. Actually, DT. But like, well, yeah, who knows? But I mean, like, seems like a tr- seems like a train wreck though. I, I I think I would stay away from that if I was a woman. He is a train wreck. Yeah, he, he is, is a train wreck. I mean, no offense to the guy. I hope it, no, it would I be nice if he could settle down, no. but uh, he seems like maybe maybe a strong avoid. I think it's hard. I mean, like I I, I think like at that age, it's re- like you're really yeah. set in your ways. Like and like, I mean, even like late thirty. I mean, it's just the like, fact hard. that you don't have Dude. an ex wife or something um, is kind of a red flag. Like. It may seem that you're good on paper, but why has no other woman chosen you? It's sort of like all women are basically economists. You know, if you see a hundred dollar bill lying on the street, pass by it because if it was real, someone else would have picked it up. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Um, it's it's like it's like women giving like a lot of attention to somebody who has a baby with them. Yeah, yeah. Uh, wait, you lost me. I don't understand. Well, he's saying he's saying that 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 women see a, a guy with a baby or somebody. Well, the- Opposite of right guy with the baby. Yeah, 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 yeah right. Because that, I mean, like you can't do much more to prove yeah genetic reproductive ge- right, success. Right, right, right. And uh, right. it's true, man. It's true. Women are weirdly. Maybe she weirdly, just wants but... to look at the cute baby. No, like it's not, it's part of that. Not. If you see a guy with yeah. a baby, like oh, you know, yeah, proven fitness, but also like oh, baby, you know. Yeah, I mean, there's some probably. I'm some making a motion with my hand that's adding something to my community. But they certainly do like to talk to daddy. No, <laughs> I never did get around to, to finishing that story about the the transforming myself into a girl, which is that. Oh yes, I got on Twitter. I got on Twitter and um, oh. as this as this really attract really attractive woman and uh, well known right of center commenters, famous people on Twitter with whom I had tried Accounts to with strike a, a conversation a. before. 
Yeah, yeah, and so, some of some of which have the the curse check mark and things like that. And uh, I had tried to strike up conversations with them as just some schlub, but as soon as I turned into the woman, and I did this by the way before Anatoly, uh, not it wasn't it was Rocco, it was Rocco, Rocco, before right. he, yeah, well, Parallax he did it. has uh, uh, and as a matter, of, yeah, but she's, I mean, she's obviously fake. That's um, Trump's daughter, right? Ivanka. Oh, is that the Abby? I'm like really bad with faces, so that. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Like I really, think done, like, this a... is why I'm a libertarian. Yeah, it's just it's a stylized version of Ivanka Trump, I think. So it's oh. quite obvious that that's fake. But anyway, the point is, um, I, I did this a couple of years ago, and uh, uh, maybe yeah, the whole thing about male faces the... isn't true. Maybe I'm just face blind. It could be. Anyway, please maybe continue. Just, maybe it's only you, and you've projected this onto every female in the world. Uh, yeah, and then there were people. I, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna name any names, but there were people. That, no, that, name like, names. You know, Come on, man. No. After you know, after you know. after we hang up the call, or after after you stop recording, you have to tell me. Okay. Yeah, I, I have. I have brought down um, the ire of of twenty thousand. Uh, angry people trying to dox me before, so I don't. I, I I'm a bit cagey now, but there were, uh, yeah, there were these, there, there were people who would who suddenly were very interested in me, and they would slip into my DMs, right. you know, like, hey, uh, you're, you're. Did they really start with hey, you're yeah. interesting? And Isn't I, that just awful when people do that? Like, no, start I don't, an actual I, conversation. I can't remember. Any guy who texts me hey blocked immediately. No, I'm sure that I'm sure that that well, some of them actually were pretty lame, but but uh, you know. I'm sure that there was some pretext for, for for but nobody nobody slipped into the DMs before that. But suddenly, I was getting like two or three hundred new followers a week, you know, from up from right. like one or two, and uh, you know, like these these rather famous people were slipping into my DMs to try to talk to me and stuff like that. Find out if I'm I mean, because because right wing or not right wing, but you know, like righty, very attractive right. girl is is pretty hot. So, you know, now, how does that make you, how does that make you feel, Josh? Like, is it, is it offensive to you or like, you know, did you tell them immediately? Did you string them on? It was, uh, I, it was actually very useful for me because, because it allowed me to know sort of who, um, who I could just discount totally, you know? Uh, and there were, there were good people, good people out there, I'm sure who did not contact me at all or, or add me at all but uh yeah it, it's very telling about sort of who can you I'm trust somewhat in, in sympathetic let me let me make some concessions to these sorts of people which is that like if you are in a particular subculture let's say you're into um you know poker and uh you see a female poker player you know that's a girl who's into your hobby that's you know that's a tough find so i'm somewhat sympathetic to the idea that this is a rare commodity that you need to reach out and make a move on. Um, that's all the concession I really need to make. Yeah. When I was I talking, it. I was talking to a gal pal the other day and um, she wants to make a blog. You were there uh, in chat and, you know, she wants to make a blog and, uh, but she doesn't want simps, right? She wants to make she a blog. She wants to be taken seriously for her own thoughts. She wants to be taken seriously, right? And so obviously there's there's a problem here. Um, first of all, wanting to blog about philosophy is really cringe. Um, she's she's going to hear this, potentially. Like, 
Well, of course, of course. And nobody, nobody um, listens to this podcast. And, and second of all, yeah, that's why I'm, that's why I'm really sad to see. Um, <laughs> second of all, uh, you know, no one's gonna read your blog. You want people to read your blog, mm. and and you have this rare commodity of like, or not rare commodity, this rare asset of being female, which will help people see you online. Um, and you're squandering it. So on the one hand, you want to be seen, and on the other hand, you want to be taken seriously. And these are obviously at odds. So the advice I gave her, which I'm gonna repeat, you know, for any other podcast listeners, is make your blog as a female, you know, make it as yourself. And this is my female blog about philosophy. So people will find your blog and read it and have this male persona in the comments and do your, you know, in-depth discussion, you know, have your comments or do all your replying and have the conversations as a male, uh, a male facing account in the comments, because then you can have an actual discussion and people will take you seriously. Because guys don't have any problem with criticizing random guys, especially ones that are sucking up to uh, OP by always agreeing with her. So there's your way right. to kind of get the best of both worlds. You get people onto the site by being a woman, but you can, you know, have serious discussions um, acting like a man. Because there's no way guys won't talk with you um, seriously if you're a, a woman in their in their hobby if they disagree with you they can't actually disagree with you because they don't want to offend you because they like you you're into your hobby um and, and so there's no way it's a false positive all the time yeah i, I saw a, a rather famous famous ish you know like uh, a woman on on twitter the other yeah internet famous ish uh it just in crypto in the crypto world complaining that crypto is an unfriendly place and so she wanted to start a group of women to make it more friendly, you know, just hang out with the girls and talk about crypto. And I just thought you've what has happened here is that you've learned what it is to be a man. You've ha- you've had the male experience, which is that nobody's ever friendly to you and everyone's always adversarial in a in a male space, you know. So I, I don't know what I would say to a woman ex- to except that that is the thing that you have to do to get to to have uh new things to create stuff is to be in a in a sort of male i mean the the female creative experience i think we all know is is having babies which men can never get into but there are a small number of women who can (laughs) yeah (laughs) but so the male the women can take part in the male creative experience but at a i mean you know it's it's a one percent of one percent of women who can do that, uh, well, right? Right. Well, and, and with guys, it's maybe one percent of one percent of guys who can do that well, and that's the only people. There's selection bias, right? The only guys that you see succeeding that's true. are these, right. you know, right into the bell curve. You have the selection bias, and if you're an average girl, you see, well, there right. are these guys who are otherwise unassuming succeeding. Like I could do that. I'm an extraordinary woman, and it just doesn't, you know, the selection doesn't match up. Right, like, why are there no great female chess players, something like that? Mm. Um, the the selection doesn't match right. up. You put yourself in a competitive environment that you're not really competing in. Um, you know, I work at I work in a male dominated field, a heavily male dominated field. So there are like other women in my company, but they're not in the technical roles, and that's not a slight or anything. It's just an observation. And you do get some. I don't have, there is a particular dynamic at play when I'm talking about someone, about something technical and they're male, 
there's certainly, I don't think it's a toxic environment. I don't think, you know, no one's been mean with me. I'm young and a woman, so you think that would cause a problem. It doesn't cause as big of a problem as you might expect, but it's definitely not the same reception that I get at the grocery store or something. Um, and that's, to me, that's a sign of respect. I don't have a problem with, you know, like there's this guy at the, my company and when I call him, uh, or if we're talking on the phone or whatever, and he hangs up, he's like, you know, all right, you have a nice day, girl. And, you know, he's kind of an older guy. I don't have any problem with this. This isn't the way that he would talk to a man, but it, it's not, it, it, it's not offensive to me. I, it's not, it's not flattering to me either. It's, you know, just something that he does that's different. But most of the time when I'm talking to guys, the, their lack of concession, the sort of concession that I get in, in normal life for being female is not there. And that itself is a signal that they're taking me seriously. If you're not aware of that dynamic or if you, you know, aren't hanging mm-hmm. out in male dominated, if you haven't figured out this pattern, then it would be really offensive. And maybe people, you would say, well, you know, these guys aren't being nice to me because they don't respect me. And actually they're just being neutral towards you. It's not, it's not disrespectful. I think that the signal way to know that it, that a man is is respecting you as a man is that he treats you like shit, but not in a sexual. He, he's not sexualizing you, but he's he's being an asshole because, like I said, the the male the male way of of uh, showing respect in this sense is that we're all in the arena together, you know. So if you're um, if you're in the in the arena and we see you as above the cutting line then we want to we want to keep you there by being an asshole to you and 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 causing you to continue to want to stay there i suppose i think that that's kind of true one i'll I'll make one last observation um here's here's a rationalist tidbit for you i think women have a tendency to over escalate in a dominance contest so if you imagine guys shooting the shit together, you might, you know, have a sort of hierarchy or you might end up in sort of, you know, guys will test each other. And when women are tested by guys, they will over escalate. Um, and mm. especially, you know, an easy way that a woman to escalate is to be sexual. So if a guy is kind of, you know, feeling around in a, in a proverbial sense, not in a literal sense, in proverbially feeling around, testing limits, seeing how comfortable they are, and a woman wants to hit back, especially if she does not have a good grasp of, you know, they're speaking different languages, she doesn't have a good grasp of how serious he is, she'll escalate in a sexual way, and then, uh, and that's totally not speaking the guy's language, um, but it's, it's, it's like when you have play fighting, like with kittens, they won't have their claws out, and if anyone yelps, you know, then they stop playing. And so there's this um, kind of fake fighting that they do, or play fighting they do, to test each other's limits. Women will go straight to, uh, you know, if one kitten is, is batting you with her paw, the kitten, who's the woman in my analogy, will fluff, fluff up her tail and seriously hiss and go claws out and it's it's a huge escalation and so it's no longer like a a dominance contest it's a real fight and so and then women are like well you know somehow magically then there's sexual conversation going on and it's a toxic space and it's kind of her fault because she escalated in that direction 
And she does it because that's like a super effective weapon on the guy. You you heard it here first, people. Um, women, it's it's always the woman's fault. Uh, <laughs> it's I want me being a top tier piggy bitch, I guess. Yeah, no, I'm just. It, I just it's true, but you know, I know my audience. I know what they want to hear. It's yeah. confirmation bias. I just want them. I, I want the people to know that we broke it here first. That that it's if there's ever a a um, misunderstanding in the workplace, it's always the woman's fault. Uh, so how how is that now? Like, are men are men more afraid now in the post Me Too era to actually do the kind of uh, do you, do you find that they pull back from like um, taking on these mentor mentee roles? I haven't been working long enough, so like I'm in my mid twenties. I haven't been working long enough and I haven't had a normal career path. So I can't tell you that like what a normal mentor mentee role is. I had, I guess like one figure who was kind of a mentor, but the age difference is so huge. It's like, you know, Oh, you know, I have a four year old kid and I've been married for six years and it's, there's, there's just such a huge difference. And I was so young that there was no danger of like that being a problem. I would assume, you know, based on incentives, like a priori, that guys would be less willing to do this in a mentor-mentee role. If you, uh, you know, are trying to disincentivize this behavior, you're going to overreach at some points. And, you know, some of those marginal cases that aren't bad are, are going to be removed anyway. Um, I, you know, having gone through very progressive sexual harassment training at work, uh, or anti-sexual, you know, training on how to not sexually harass, not sexual harassment training. You can imagine, you know, <laughs> what sort of world you want to live in where there's mandatory sexual harassment training. And, you know, having been through that, I don't think that it was particularly good. The answer is always D, yes, you can sue for that. Um, it, it, I don't think the sexual harassment, I can't imagine that that is changing many people's behavior. If you're the sort of person, you know, everyone thinks they're a good person. They don't think they're sexually harassing. And they always say, well, you know, she's going to understand that I'm not trying to harass her. I'm just being friendly. Yeah. So uh, looking at the examples, it's hard for me to imagine that someone's going to say, oh, you know, I would have been friendly with you, but for this, you know, this, this training that I had to endure. At a very high level. That come on. Uh, people should, people should experience work life in China at some point because it's, uh, any, any woman in, in the workforce is quite welcome to tell a man that she finds him handsome, not in a, I, I don't mean that she's coming on to the man, but can you imagine, you know, wow, you look really handsome today at a, at an American company. I, I can't really see. I have coworkers who would be like, you know, Oh, did you get a haircut? It looks good. Is that the sort of thing you're talking about or a misinterpretation? Uh, that's different. No, that's that. No. If a coworker said, wow, you're really beautiful. That would be weird. Yeah. That's right, that. Yeah. Yeah, that would be weird. But in in China, this is this is. Uh, well, you wild. don't I'm, have. I'm, I'm told. Go ahead. No, go ahead. I don't have. You one. don't have like diversity training or sexual harassment training or anything like that, do you? Or yes. <laughs> there is no such. There's no such thing as diversity so, in China. They don't even know what that is. Uh, one China. Um. Uh. Right. So it's all the same. Um. Maybe that's my face blindness. So. You like what's the proportion of males to females? Like, do you have this sort of? I wasn't a diversity hire. I'm quite competent, and I've been. I've been. I work in the education industry, so it's it's. Oh, you opposite, have a bunch of women. Because well, not completely. Opposite. Education. 
Yeah, it's like 60-40 maybe or something That's, like that. Maybe it's diversity so in the other direction because, you know, in the education sector, I would expect it to be more than 60-40 in favor of women here. Perhaps you're the diversity oh, here. It may be here. I don't know. Actually, I'm, I'm, creating, I'm creating numbers um, totally ad hoc at the, at the moment. But yeah, plenty of women in the field. And yeah, they say what they say pretty much what they want. And I, I had one of those I, I had this very bizarre experience uh getting hired one time where the principal asked me in the interview, not in a sort of like um frightened or legalistic way, but rather just matter of factly if I was married. And I said, Yeah, well, I mean, um I think at the time I was I was gearing up for marriage. So I said, Yeah, I'm you know, I'm I'm engaged or whatever. And the principal said, well, that's good. And so you we made don't... sure you told her, but I will not get down on one knee. No, this I'm was a man. Sick. This is a man in this case. Oh, uh, the man, uh, he he said to me, well, that's good because uh, that means that we don't have to worry uh, too much about you with the co-eds. Or... <laughs> with, the, I, with the students such... or with the teachers? With the students, with the students. Oh, and, okay. uh, I see, I see. And... And uh, so this is like to- this is a totally different world that that we're talking about here. In China, it is not acceptable, but the legal the legal framework protect protecting. I I'm I'm air quoting now, but protecting eighteen uh, year old high school students from twenty two year old male teachers is let's say more like a vapor than a really concrete thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it is stiff. It is stiffening up as the as the years uh, go by. It's it's getting more formalized and whatnot. But still, in in China, I think I don't really know what would happen if like a if if a high school student and a and a teacher were having a relationship. I think it would probably he would probably just go to another school. I think that's what would. Happen. I had a um I had a teacher who got in trouble for having relations with a student. Uh, it was a female teacher. Uh, we've all had that. Uh, a female teacher and a male student, and oh, I think okay. most of the times that that's happened that I've heard of. It's a female teacher and a male student. Or, uh, yeah, a female teacher and male student, not the other way around. I mean, you see, like, in movies and stuff, it's a, it's a male teacher. But, um, mm. uh, yeah, I, I think it's always, like, the female substitute teacher. She was my substitute teacher, but not in that class. She was doing – it was extra credit, you know? I've seen this movie. Right. I had great grades, so I never had to – maybe people with crappy grades are, are having to do that sort of thing, but um, – I was totally head in the books. I was. I was. I mean, I was having to put. I was having to put out to everyone. <laughs> and then you decided to become uh, yeah. an educator yourself. You know, pass it on to the next generation. Yeah, I got an A in Mr. Alexander's class, though. I'll tell you that. <laughs> uh, yeah, it would have so, been better if you'd said Mrs. Alexander. It was self. It was a self-effacing joke. That's why it was more funny. Yeah. Um. So, Urbit. <laughs> so urban right we're having a, a podcast this is a podcast about urban uh yeah so so tell us tell us tell tell the people uh what is like what's the what's the female ratio on there right now how many of you are there um why we've agreed not to tell our numbers and this is strictly so that because there are so few women on urban if you say i'm a woman on urban there's like a 50 50 chance of it being me or Ladpeg. And then, uh, but in, in order to, like, not have ourselves docs, we like to pretend there's a lot more women than they are, than there actually are. Um, and anyone standing, you know, if you're a woman on Urbit and you're introducing yourself to a guy and you don't want to dox yourself, you can pretend to be me. Standing invitation for all the female Urbiteers. 
to do that, you know, got to keep it. You got to take one for the team. So if I get a DM, I'll, I'll forward it to you. There's probably less, there's less than 100 women on here. There's probably like 30. We'll see when L2 comes in, you know, what it's going to be like. Urban is for girls. Um, I was going to ask, is it is it okay to advertise the the group or no? Do you guys have a group? Yeah, yeah, Urban. Well, if you called it, if you said advertise the group and I said no, you'd be like, all right, listeners, there's no group. There's no group. Um, subtle. You have to cut out the whole segment. I don't know what groups are. I'm, I'm new to Urban. I've never heard of a group before. Um, yeah, so we have an Urbitious group. I'm not the founder, but I host it because I have my plan on Raspberry Pi, which in hindsight was not a good decision. But since I do have the hardware, uh, I, I, I'm hosting the group. And if you want to DM me uh, and say, we're just taking people at their word right now um, that they're females. There was one account that someone tipped me off to uh, that was like had a, a female avatar and I looked at it and I was like, mm, little suspect. So I didn't offer an invitation, but generally, yeah, if you DM me, I'll give you an invite. It's just, you know, a close group. I'm, I'm the only wall. It's, it's not a very difficult wall to get through. I'm gonna I'm gonna get in there. That's my that's I'm gonna I'm gonna show up as a different planet. I'm gonna do it again. Right. I'm gonna fool them twice well, on Twitter and on we'll, Urban. We'll know by the way you talk. I mean, it's pretty much you know we got all we all we talk about in there is yeah. Nice. Um. Yeah, you can always tell you can always tell the the fake women on Twitter. There's a very famous Chinese account that I'm not going to mention because these people are <laughs> lunatics and they'll come after me. I. Uh, very famous Chinese account on Twitter that's actually a male, and you can tell. I'm shocked. I'm shocked to hear this. Um, yeah. yeah. So let me talk to you about the Raspberry Pi experience and the whole like onboarding. Since in in addition, you know, you're scraping the bottom of the barrel here with uh, your guests, but I can talk to you about my experience being a woman on the internet and also being the most tech illiterate person on Urbit. You know, this is something else I can. And that's offer. definitely not true. Offer your part. Are you gonna name someone else? Uh, I I'm I'm on I'm on Urbit. So oh, I guess yeah, you're right. You're it's an, impossible you're that you're an, the least an edu- educator. I forgot about that. Oh, thanks. I teach okay. computer science though. So, so oh, means... see, no, you're not. You're definitely not the most tech. <laughs> no, uh, it's but that speak. means that I can't program at all. So, all right. Anyway, Raspberry Pi. Thank you. Um, so I I heard about Urbit. I spun up a comment. I have a a Chromebook. I, I'm one of those like cell phone addicted young people, so I have mm. I don't have like a normal laptop because the only thing I need to do on a computer is make like text documents. So Chromebook, uh, which is basically a big cell phone, that's what I like. And um, I uh, the the Chromebook has like a Linux beta. Is it Linux or Linux? Uh, Linux, yeah. Linux. Okay, I was calling it Linux at some point. Someone corrected me, and then I couldn't remember which one was right. So anyway, a Linux um. Uh, like a beta sandbox thing, whatever. Anyway, you could open up a command line on it. So I, I installed Urbit back before port. I installed Urbit and spun up a comment. I hung around for like a week and then I was like, all right, I'm going to get a planet. This is really important. Uh, so I paid my like 75 bucks to get this planet, which was worth it. But like at the time, you know, I guess gas fees are worse, worse now, so I can't complain that much. And oh I was my God, yeah, they're like two or three hundred dollars. Some of them is it really? Ooh. Yeah, so I, yeah, I, I've seen I've seen two hundred 
$200 gas fees for sure. So I paid like 50 bucks in gas. I got the planet. That was that. And then eventually, you know, the Chromebook is obviously like a miserable, miserable uh, device. And so I was like, oh, okay. It's it's the sort of portion where you get really into something. You're reading a lot of stuff. You're looking at interviews. You're, um, you know, I'm I'm getting into Urbit. I'm telling people I know about Urbit and how it's the next big thing. I'm like, okay, I'm going to do this small thing. I'm going to get the Raspberry Pi. I follow the guide, and it's difficult. I'm training new people at work now, so I'm trying to be really conscious about how I explain technical concepts. And it's very difficult to have a, a – to, to if you know something, it's very difficult to model what it's like for someone who doesn't know that thing. Sometimes I'm surprised, and sometimes sometimes I'm surprised at what people don't know yet. And sometimes I over-explain and things are obvious. And this is a reason why engineers are very, you know, notoriously bad at explaining things to people. So having a difficult, you know, so when I'm reading this technical guide, I'm trying to be sympathetic to the guide writer who doesn't know how much I know and has maybe a poor model about what a non-technical person would know about this. What do they take for granted? So, uh, and some of that's my fault for being someone who doesn't really know Linux, who's, you know, doing this thing on a, on a Linux system. Uh, but there, there was some difficulty where something they obviously assumed, they assumed was obvious and it was not obvious to me and I got very frustrated. I eventually made it through. Um, but I would definitely say that the self-hosting is not the way to go. Like I have to, I have to ch- update my binaries and I'm afraid to update my binaries. Because anytime I have to like start up the planet, I have to open the guide again to figure out how to start it up because it's no longer straightforward. I so it, it's very. Um, I think I've gotten to the point that mm-hmm. I I remember the commands, but I mean I I don't think that that's an I don't think that that is an odd or horrifying experience. Or, I, I don't think it says anything about you. By which I mean you, you do it infrequently enough that the stuff doesn't necessarily stick. So I take notes. You know, I put the notes down. I don't remember myself, but I got much better at Linux just because of Urban. I didn't. I wasn't really into Linux before, but two years ago I got into Urban, and now I use Linux every day. It's my daily driver. So Urban, Urban, Urban got me there. Well, that's good. Are you going to learn Hoon? Do you know Hoon? Are you doing Hoon stuff? I will eventually, but I probably need to finish making money and raising kids a little bit and stuff like that. Other people have time for it. I don't. I don't have time for it. I am pro. I am actually coding quite a lot more than I was, and all of this is because of Urbit. But that's because I've got other Urbit stuff going on, like the new website. Right. You know, I'm building a a news website, and it's just sorry, it's just it's just basic bitch JavaScript. It'll be it will be an well, I'm I'm building the app now. I, I I've got it up as a static site. It's minimalism. Yeah, it's up as a static site right now, and then I'm gonna turn it into. Well, I'm currently turning it into an app. Uh, so that should be like happening. A, a a a web app or an app app. A web app. Okay. I want to integrate Visor. Uh, here's an example of. Oh okay okay. Yeah. Here's an example of how like non-technical like the things you take for granted. So you have a port, obviously, right? Or Urbit puts uh or the 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 thing formerly known as landscape on on what is it called now? 
I, I, no longer landscape. I'm it is. It is oh, groups. Groups. Okay, so back when there was only groups and there was nothing else, you know, uh, it, it puts urban landscape on a particular port, and you go into your browser and you do localhost colon and whatever you know localhost eight thousand or whatever. Right. And um, I set up the Raspberry Pi. I booted Urbit on in my browser in the in Chromium. I go to localhost colon import eight thousand, and uh, you know there my Urbit is. Okay, cool. But I want it on my phone because I'm uh, Gen whatever, and uh, and I, I I'm like a phone only user. So I install Tailscale. And I get my IP address and I go on my phone to my browser. My, my VPN is on and I type in that IP address into my browser, um, you know, into my, uh, into my browser bar there and nothing happened, you know, location not found. Uh, contact your system administrator. And I was like, what do you mean? Okay. Type in like the other IP address. Maybe I'm reading Tailscale wrong, but type in the other IP address. That's not true. Yeah. Contact your system administrator is always devastating when you are the system administrator. I, I type in localhost with the colon and then the port number and like nothing happens. I'm like, hmm. All right. And at this point, it's like one in the morning. You know, I'm very frustrated. I got work tomorrow. So I go, I'm all frustrated. So I leave, I go home and I wake up in the morning and I like wake up and sit up in bed to bring my hand to my forehead. Like, oh, it's the IP address and then the colon and then the port. Like, duh. But it took, like, the level of, I bring up the story just because it's so obvious in hindsight that it's impossible to empathize with me not understanding that in the moment. Even now, in hindsight, I'm like, wow, Malice, that was really retarded. Um, and, and this is a sort of problem that people run into when they're running any sort of technical guide or technical instructions. You just, you can't empathize with someone who doesn't understand that. No, I, I find that happens a lot as well. I think that like one problem with say the the docs is that the people who wrote them cannot possibly imp, uh, empathize with a person I don't know has never has never had any introduction to recursion before. Right. So the person who wrote those docs just takes that that line of or that that way of thinking for granted, and so maybe Hoon is not for. Uh, the person who hasn't sort sort of had like basic computer is science concepts. Um, you know what? Maybe what they should do is one of the apprentice. Maybe one of the apprenticeships should be like learn Hoon and make a guide. And as you're learning it, you have you know OG or whatever who's teaching you Hoon, and you write the guide as you learn it and put your questions in there. And so you really do get the fresh. Uh, you know, it is explained by someone who doesn't understand it uh, and is learning it at the same time. That's, yeah. That would be a good, you know, apprenticeship grant is rewrite all the docs in that fashion. So if, if, if any of you like who knows is listening, Malice would really like to me to you. Yes. If I, if I, uh, I will, I will be willing to do that apprenticeship grant. And what I'll do is we will rewrite all of these school docs and at the end of it, I will have both learned Hoon and also written this whole document. That's my grant proposal. <laughs> you can, uh, you can do it. You can do it in a in a like trapper keeper notebook with hearts and stars and everything. You put stickers on the front. Yeah, it's gonna be great. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> 
I'm taking you seriously. If I Actually, that would be a good way to learn that. I mean, like watch one, do one, teach one. That would be like I. I think you actually would end up with like a really good document. No, I think it would. I just need. I I just. No, I've said the same thing as you. I think that they should take a an intelligent but clueless person and sit down with them and just like you know go all the way from zero to like actually you know what or something like that. Uh, yeah, be, do it would on be, video would make good video. And uh, you know, I'll be the woman in that video and it'll be really good because yeah. I'll be like, Oh, urban is for girls. Um, actually. I need I need the hand holding though. The the hand holding will be good. I have sort of a, a mixed feelings about hand holding. When I do something technical, I do want the hand holding. I wish that I had, you know, hand holding through the setting of the Raspberry Pi. On the other hand, like at work, I've recently taken on these new responsibilities because the person who knew how to do them quit. And so I've kind of had to learn at a very accelerated pace. It's good for my job security because even though I'm inept, there's like I know more than anyone else about this. There's no one else who knows how to do this in the company. So even though I really don't know how to do this yet, I'm unfireable. So that's good. But I do... It's it's been good and bad for my very rapid acquisition of these skills because not having someone to do the hand holding forces me to find a solution and sometimes I I'll notice now that I don't have the opportunity I can think in in hindsight if there was someone here who would be teaching this to me I can imagine myself making the excuse and asking them for help here and being like well you know, I couldn't figure it out, so I'm going to let them complete the task or, or something like that. And if I put myself in the mindset of like, you know, if my boss died and no one was there to answer this question, what would I do? You know, if I was on a deserted island, how would I solve this problem for any eventuality? <laughs> eventuality. And it would make, it does make me solve the problem. So, when I noticed, if you were on a deserted island and you, how how would I do the TPS report? <laughs> so um, no, thankfully I don't have to write reports. So you know, it, it is good, I think, sometimes to just like remove all because any opportunity for someone to help you is an excuse to procrastinate until that person comes in with the assist. And sometimes I have to force like remove all excuses, malice. You are the only one on earth who can solve this problem you know, just get it done. And then I do, I always end up, you know, pulling it out somehow and getting it done and it works out. So it's a very stressful way of working, but especially if I'm trying to learn something new, I kind of have to put myself in that mindset and getting it done. I I guess it's one way to do it. It's not optimal, but it's necessary sometimes. All right. I'm going to ask you the final question. I'm going to put you on the spot. The, The final question as a woman, you have to do the as a woman thing. Why is Urban for Girls? I guess like what? How, how are we going to get them? How are we going to get more women on there? And should we should we get more women? I, we should. Yeah, the the yeah, those questions in reverse order. So I going to repeat. Let me let me give the summary of the state of the art right now, which is the knowledge that everyone knows about subcultures and bringing normies into subcultures. So what you don't want women, you want normie women. Um, Women like me are like not good for your right. movement, um, but normie women That's are true. good for movements. They're good for economic success. They're good for adoption. If you have more adoption, you have more confidence when it comes to the regime, right? No one's going to shut down Instagram ever. So uh, you do want more women on. You want more normal people on. Does this have consequences for 
kind of the sanctity of our urban communities. Yes, I. Everyone knows that we have, uh, you know, good vibes on orbit. Uh, we have good sub communities, and you kind of have to eat that a little bit when you bring normal people on. Um, it's it's not going to be the same, and it has to happen anyway. And you need to make your you know, you gotta find find other ways to wall off your content. Like I play some tabletop RPGs, but I'm really bad at them, and I have, you know, I don't like doing combat. Uh, I only want to do role play, and so I'm really sympathetic to these guys who are like, you know, I want to play Pathfinder. I want to have these really complex rules. I've memorized the entire rule book, and now there are these normie women coming in, and they want to play like fifth edition where you have tensors floating wheelchair, like. I'm really sympathetic to people who don't who who see their communities being infiltrated and it's happened before and it you know sucks all the fun out. Um I don't think that's going to happen with Urbit because Urbit is a community of communities, but I there's going to be some discomfort there and you know we're going to acknowledge it and we're going to accept it and it's going to happen. Um how to get more women on it definitely needs to be easy to get on with port for windows i think that's basically handled let's see and, and you know with hosting it should be easy to get hosted a big problem is, is if you're self-hosting if you're running on your own computer you can't start a group so really these normies need to eventually put their planets on hosting so that their groups can be up all the time uh, so I definitely say like making hosting easy is there. Most people don't know about Urbit. I think the sort of pace at which people are adopting and hearing about Urbit is okay. You know, it's trickling through, it's going to eventually trickle through women who are terminally online. Uh, in order to get people who aren't terminally online on, you need to bridge that gap somehow. I'm not sure the best way to bridge that gap. I guess it needs to be kind of like cool and exclusive. I think leaning into the fact that eventually, and this this may be two or three years down the line, could be, you know, 10 years down the line, the fact that most people haven't heard of it, you know, you can kind of lean into the hipster thing. But that, crossing that bridge from, now you've got all the women who are terminally online and you need to get the people who are not terminally online, I think we'll cross that bridge when we get there. As far as the pace going right now, you know, I, Women aren't really on forums, and just eventually you're going to have things that are that are non-forum, right? You need to be able to share images. You need to have profiles. Um, you need to, you know, build out the profiles and stuff like that and have, um, you know, some sort of feed thing. You know, your Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, uh, TikTok, all mixed together type feed application we, that needs to be we got, we got to be able to to advertise the goods to all the the crypto rich right. guys <laughs> I, I, maybe they should set it up you know set it up we should uh frame it like a dating app and have it be you know spread the rumor that all the rich crypto a rumor guys, that's true i mean there's a lot of there are a lot of like a uh, good solid men who are not weirdos who have gotten money in the crypto game and or also building you know building on blockchain apps and things like that Right. Uh, so yeah, it just needs those dirty, dirty girls with the Instagram, you know. The the problem is like, I don't think you can have an explicit dating app. You can have Instagram, which is kind of a dating app, but you, I don't think you can have like Tinder, 
which is explicitly a date. Well, I guess it's explicitly a hookup app. But, it, you know, the, the location-based I mean, name, we're it's not at that Instagram, level of density yet. Instagram is 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 one hundred percent a dating app because what Instagram is is an advertisement, uh, an advertisement of goods basically a fee, woman woman a woman advertising goods basically actually to wealthy men. Actually, ideally. I disagree with you there. I think I said that as a tongue in cheek. I, in tongue in cheek, and now that I think about it more, I think that that's wrong. Instagram is an advertising app for advertising things to women to buy. I know this, I know especially they're going in this direction because there's now like one click shopping on Instagram where you can buy via the Instagram app instead of going to the company's website. Um, I haven't bought anything there, but they did give me this like coupon. So anyway, so that's the direction Instagram's going, but it's all, everything on sure, Instagram involves I'm sure that Instagram women, has like, buying things. Like, I, I don't even know if guys have. No, Instagram. no, no. I'll, I'll tell you. I'll tell you the male perspective on this because I, the, how it is known to men, uh, and I'm sure you're right about how like it's used for women, but the the use for men, as far as I know, is it's it's the sort of upper class version of Tinder because Tinder girls are. What is a Tinder girl? Well, I mean the the girl who chooses Tinder as her advertising oh, okay. platform right. of choice is right. of a lower quality than the girl who chooses Instagram as her advertising to males platform of choice. I imagine it's much easier to get simps on Instagram because you're not in the same geographic location. So if you're not in the same geographic location, you can't have a lot of expectation that I'll sleep with you. But like on Tinder, you're more likely to like actually give me something of monetary value like dinner. But you're also more likely to be in a position where you're pressuring me to have sex. Yeah, uh, I I've, on Instagram you don't have those problems. Yeah, and but what that means then is that the woman who is sort of like advertising herself on Instagram is expecting that ge geography is not a problem for the kind of man she's trying to knit. He he's going to fly her out to hang out oh, on his, I see. Yeah, his yacht uh, right. with hope. That's the that's the dream. Anyway, uh, we've we've gone all over the place here. Uh, Shall we do it? Well, let's end on that positive note. Like, how do we need these sips on Urban? We need We've full circle. Yeah, we're 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 back there. We got to get these. We got to we got to. What we're trying to do is hook up the crypto rich with uh, normal, extremely good looking um, Instagram models. I think that that is the most base possible ending to to this. <laughs> crypto bros deserve Instagram models. Instagram hoes for crypto bros. That's the that's the tagline. That's the next app. That's the next urban app. Thank you for listening. If you want to know more about the stack, find us on our parent organization's Twitter page at the Orbis Ledger. That's at sign then T H E O R B I S L E D G E R. Or find us online at orbisledger.news. Your boomer web portal for all things urban. And to the ladies, get on Urbit. It's the Manolo Blahnik and a Fendi handbag of technology.